Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, also known as H. And I'm Ryan Quintel, also known as Q. And we have a special guest with us today <laughs> from Midnight Resistance, the uh, dearly departed almost, you're getting there, <laughs> and uh, the computer game show, Mr. Sean Bell. Hello, how's it going? Hey, you don't have to take a one-letter nickname. <laughs> that's true, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. good. The, 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 old, the whole uh, H and Q thing, it messes me up, right? Because it just makes me think of, so obviously Q from James Bond. But <laughs> I, 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 that's <laughs> a compliment, I'll take that. Yeah, uh, but H, I don't, know, I don't know if you guys ever got, uh, there's a, a terrible British pop band called Steps. Mm-hmm. And okay. there's, a, there's a guy from Steps who just went by H for some reason. So whenever you mention H, that that that's who I think of. So that's who I'm picturing as we as we do this. Is it a flattering image or is it? Uh, it's a you know, problematic I character. I mean, they're a terrible band, but I'm, I mean, I can't really remember. I assume he was a handsome <laughs> fellow. So you know, there's that. Yeah, of course. For anyone who is not in the know about your podcasts, um, mm. you are a veteran of of many many years of podcasting mm-hmm. uh, not only in those two outlets but also uh, joypod and and probably quite a few others been a guest on uh, on many including the canermans and sound of play podcast that i have uh, been a, mm-hmm. you know, a part of how long have you been at this whole podcasting scene um terrifyingly so we first um <laughs> me and some friends used to volunteer on a embarrassingly named website called dark zero perfect <laughs> which and uh yeah and we used to do a podcast um for that which was like we back in the day when it never occurred to us to actually do it over skype so we used to actually meet up um and do it but then we could only hmm. do that sort of once every six months so although my actual answer to that is i've been doing this for about 10 years but the first two years of that we produced about four episodes so it doesn't really count <laughs> <laughs> although i do i do like the equivalent of trying to do that and saying all right guys well we're together so we have to record 40 episodes yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and then i started listening to um i think it was the destructoid podcast and i was like oh my god they can just do it over the internet and it's fine it works <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, things sped up remarkably after that. And of course, the computer game show is probably mm-hmm. the uh, the one that you're wanting to plug a little bit more than the other one, because that one is kind of on its way out at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, computer game show is a lovely show. It's a nice uh, combination of personalities, I think, is the... I was going to say lovely is not the, the word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've got a child on the way, so I'm going to have to uh, give up podcasting for about a year, I think. So Midnight Resistance mm-hmm. is, is, yeah, is going to be canned um for want of a better term and yeah i'm going to be stepping down from computer game show although i'll still be on it occasionally i would imagine it depends if my if the kids are sleeper or not i gather it can go either way so um that'll be interesting yeah but that one uh, that one comes out on wednesdays usually mm, yeah <laughs> um and it's a a good place to keep up on gaming news and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of really good and uh, well-informed opinions about uh, current games and past games and heavy rain <laughs> Wherever that fits into that spectrum. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to get right into pitching some brand new game ideas. These are game ideas that do not yet exist. 
and uh, we will try to workshop them to a point at which we at least have some sort of a a, a feasible idea that could be turned into a a demo or something if we were talented enough. Uh, so let's um let's hop on over to our guest, Mr. Sean Bell. What uh, what type of game are you pitching us today? So. This is an idea here that came about when I was playing, um, I can't remember what it was exactly, but I'd, I'd started getting into shoot 'em ups and was thinking a lot about um, sort of score chaining mechanics. Hmm. And hmm. I was thinking, I can't, again, it's frustrating, I can't remember the specific example that made me think of it. You know, there, there are some shooters where there's like an auto balancing thing going on so that if you, you know, when, if you start playing badly, the game kind of eases off a bit. And mm, but if yeah, you start yeah. playing well, it gets harder. And I got thinking about it. Wouldn't it be interesting if there was a way for, like, if that was just a system that was controlled by the player? Like, you could just go, actually, this is hard. I'm going to turn it down. But uh, like in a constantly mm. sort of reactive way, rather than you know going into a menu and be like, you know, put it on easy. Um, mm-hmm. And I had this idea for a, I don't like it. Wouldn't have to be a shooter. I don't know. See what you think when I finish describing it. But basically where the score chaining mechanic is dictated by like a separate bit where a car is driving down a road and it's the behavior of the engine which which you can control which dictates this like your score multiplier okay okay (laughs) cool cool so let's uh let's open the door on that one let's let's talk about this uh, so you say shoot 'em up is how you initially kind of pitch this. Yeah. Uh, is that is the car a separate element that is like a visualization of the difficulty, or is the car the main character, kind of like a spy hunter type of so the, setup? Uh, yeah, like the car's totally separate, right? The car's like mm-hmm. sort of. <laughs> I can't th- I couldn't, can't think of a clever way of actually linking it with the shooting part, but basically <laughs> the way I'd envisioned it is that. So you have con- you have control over how fast the car goes, right? Okay. So like on one in one sense you're you're playing a shooter or or whatever, you know, it could be like a hack and slash action game, you know. And like enemies are like, you know, so say it's like arena based and enemies are spawning. And as you accelerate the car, more enemies start spawning, right? And that mm. makes it makes the game harder. And then the overall speed of the car would be your score multiplier, but the mm. revs that the engine's uh. doing are like how many enemies are spawning and how difficult it is. So you would have like you'd be forced to like rev the engine up to like a certain point so that it's spawning tons of enemies until the car reaches a certain speed, at which point you can then shift gears and drop your revs down again. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So it gets a little oh. bit easier again, but then the speed keeps picking up. But what is like kind of what hitting I've, thresholds. Yeah, but like but what I've never been able to sort of figure out is like like how to make that interesting in terms of shifting gears like what would you have to do or like because there should be like some kind of task specifically related to that right it shouldn't just be like oh well it just accelerate to a certain point and then it shifted and then it was fine like there needs to be like a kind of a sticking point at each gear and then like you know maybe if you yeah, if you yeah. start getting hurt a lot then you have to drop gears and then that sort of helps it balance out a bit what if the character's model is like the uh, the kind of player character type of thing mm is like a glider that's being like tethered to this car and so when the car is going faster then it's pulling the glider through more enemies because you're just reaching them faster that's actually really smart that's <laughs> and you can almost have like an outrun type of mechanic where you have like forks in the road and uh-huh. you can tell like one of them is going to be more difficult one of them is going to be a little bit easier a path and so you can make those decisions with the car but most of the time you're spending you know, your most of your attention is focused on this glider that's shooting down enemies and, yeah, and such. Yeah, yeah. What I think 
would help make it work is the idea that one of these things is a fixed uh, element. And what I mean by that is mm. maybe the levels that are playing out beneath and there's kind of that car graphic or something going along the top. It's almost like destroying enemies or something is fuel or something for the car to oh, keep yeah. it going. <laughs> okay. And then that allows it to speed up and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to create incentive around what the like end of a level feels like. And I don't know if like the car isn't in a race and obviously you're incentivized to make it more difficult and go faster uh, to do the race quicker. But of course you're, you're making it harder for yourself versus um, whether or not you would just kind of like play until you die and then make it a little bit easier, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Man, you've just got me thinking, you know, mentioning, mentioning fuel, you've just got me thinking about like, so I'm complicating this further now for absolutely no reason, but like if there's a way of good. like implementing <laughs> like, like fuel efficiency. So there's like a speed at which you will, you know, in terms of miles per gallon, you'll use the least fuel, but by oh, pushing yeah, yeah. over that, you can get a bigger score, but you're going to lose your fuel more quickly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. it's a good risk reward thing. Yeah. There. Um, or even you can break up the difficulty. You can have difficulty in the air and also difficulty on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, shoot 'em up controls aren't that complicated and, and button intensive, as it yeah. were. So, yeah. like you can use your left stick to control your glider. Maybe the car could be navigated with the right stick, and most mm -hmm. of the time you could just it's open roads and nothing in the way. But you can elect to go down more more complicated routes where you have to swerve around things and kind of uh, pay attention to both planes yeah, at yeah. the time. I, that idea of somebody being attached to a parasail behind a car is so good and funny yeah. to me. Uh, I, I'd like, I want to be on like a sci-fi racetrack where there's tunnels and stuff where you're going upside down and you're, because it makes so much sense, right? If you're going faster, there's going to be, the enemies are going to come faster, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, like the idea of the car is kind of on a set path or whatever, but you're able to accelerate it and cause more havoc for yourself is really mm. fun. It would yeah. be really funny to kind of theme this like a Schwarzenegger movie or something. Like set this <laughs> yeah. in like a like a South American locale, kind of like Just Cause. And you know he's up there parasailing with his uh, with his massive machine guns, and someone else is in the car down below trying to keep away from the cops or whatever. <laughs> Local militia. Like, I like the idea of giving that sort of auto, like, normally auto-balancing thing, like, to the player and just being like, look, here's how you, you know, like, sort of a really sort of open sort of risk and reward system. It's like, literally push this button, it will get harder, but you'll get a bigger score, but you yeah. might not be able to handle it and you're sort of having to sort of manage that yourself. I guess, like, the risk is, as you say, it's like, how do you stop the player just kind of finding, like, a level they're happy with and just keep, like, there has to be, like, a time sure. limit, doesn't there? Like you can't yeah. just because if they can take as long as they want, then they'll just go slow and rack up a score. Like even if it takes them ten hours, yeah, or if it is a score chaser thing, that could be yeah. enough to incentivize a lot of people. It's, it's, it has yeah. a very kind of arcadey feeling to it. So. Yeah, the one hundred percent speed run at two hundred <laughs> miles an hour is a very yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it could be very impressive, like AGDQ type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. What, what I like about the exposing the auto balancing mechanic to the player is there's so many times in even say like resident evil four was, you know, classically mm. would bend to your will. And even like yeah, injustice yeah. and the, those more modern fighting games will do this type of stuff. Whereas sometimes as a gamer, I just want to slam my head into a wall a bunch of times trying to <laughs> do something that's very hard. Um, and, you know, having it balance out to be easier without asking you, feels you know 
cheap in some way. Mm -hmm. It was the way of these old arcade games that they would pretty massively ramp up in difficulty, but you'd always have to start playing at the intro stage. And so really like this is a nice way of kind of letting players skip the bits they aren't interested in and just go right to their difficulty level, ride that difficulty curve. Yeah, yeah. Um, just right from the point that they want to. It'd be interesting if there, this was kind of like a contiguous space, like this entire island of roads and stuff was eventually you'd have to clear it all of enemies. And so you can kind of uh, star fox your way through these various routes, um, again, kind of like Outrun, mm -hmm. where depending on the, uh, the routes that you take, you can, you know, clear other areas and... Like if it was like a giant island, all it visualized in that way, it would probably be more like meaningful to the player to have to be able to check a route off their list than if it was just like a random level. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And and there's something tied to if you had some limited agency over like if a car takes path A versus path B, um, you could even have the car being the thing that's also collecting additional like power-ups or bonuses yeah, uh, yeah. kind of yeah, on yeah. the ground and, and you know, <laughs> sending those up the chain to you flying like a madman behind it. <laughs> or really anything that's picked up by the glider would be sent down to the car and anything picked up by the car would be sent up to the glider, almost like you are, you know, you're, you're incentivized. The better you do with one weapon, the better the other yeah, weapons get. It's kind of like in a yeah. Vanquish, how you have to yeah. not use yeah. the weapon that you want to level up to make it better later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely also picturing enemies that are, uh, their whole goal is to attach themselves to your parasail to slow down the car. Mm. And like, <laughs> weirdly, it's like enemies trying to make the game easier on you, but you got to like barrel roll shake them off to like mm. keep your difficulty going. Yeah, like, is there, I'm trying to think, would there be a way of like, yeah, if enemies are jumping on one vehicle, like the other vehicle has to help them out? Because I'm like, in terms of how you control them, that's got to mm -hmm. be a nightmare, right? Like, <laughs> like, uh, so, maybe, maybe. It's, so, I okay. guess like I'm picturing the kind of left stick is I can fly around 360 degrees of the screen. Yeah. And the right stick is, I guess, a cursor ish that I'm shooting at. Am I, am I aiming? Yeah. Well, or that could be used to control the car. You know, it's kind of a left, right, keeping on the roads type thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, like if the car was just sort of switching lanes, then would that would it need a stick? Could you have what if? The, okay, so what if the the paraglider like always just fired directly to the right? Okay, and then okay. so you can and you can move it around, and but it always fires to the right. Whereas the car, you can use like buttons to switch lanes, but it can also, but it has like a little turret on it that aims wherever it wants. But then is that just too easy? I don't know. It's kind of like a amplitude using the buttons to yeah. switch lanes like that. We just uncovered through that too that you. I think the way you described it sound like a side scroller to me, yeah. and the way I've had it in my head was almost a, a cruising USA okay. perspective, <laughs> where I'm <laughs> so I mean, it's almost it almost feels like a Geometry Wars or something happening yeah. as this car is just like pulling me forward. Um, yeah, I had like a traditional vertical scrolling shmup in my mind, <laughs> like this is a robust idea. <laughs> but anyways, that is uh, that is all the time that we have on that one. So we have to uh, hit the brakes on that idea right now. We allow <laughs> ourselves nice. 10 minutes so we don't end up getting carried away with things because we could just keep on talking about these things forever. <laughs> please, but, uh, H, 20 more minutes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just 20. Okay.
So we don't want to uh, put all the pressure on you to come up with a name for this one. If you're coming in with something great, if not, we can work something together. But uh, yeah, we should uh, we should come up with a name that we like. Like okay, so I, I in my head I used to refer to this as Max Throttle, but then I thought that's kind <laughs> of too. <laughs> Like with it being car based, oh, yes. that's too similar to Mad Max, I think. Well, no, I don't know. I think I the, know. the throttle part is the piece that really stands out. And I yeah. like if this is pitched like an 80s action movie, Max Throttle could be like the name of the character. Yes. That's, yeah. Absolutely. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a very elegant name for this okay. game. I yeah. like that a lot. <laughs> Keanu Reeves is Max Throttle. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd play that and watch it. Max Throttle. Either very cool. <laughs> All right, we are getting on to our second pitch. This is coming from me. This one is uh, one that I had previously been uh, kind of workshopping with uh, Spencer Saunders, uh, the person who pitched our first community submission. And so, you know, we've thrown some ideas back and forth, but I think I'm just going back to the basic root of what this idea is and see if we, uh, is, if we as a collective end up taking it in a different direction. So we'll see where we can go with this. So this is a little kind of papers please-like um, where you are doing kind of a menial job and you have a lot of uh, physical interaction over doing this job, uh, but you play a small town radio host and basically you're playing this kind of like middle of the night radio station. You're the DJ and your entire setup, you have a microphone where you can make, you know, news announcements or read, you know, this last song was you know, so-and-so by X, Y, and Z. And then you have your turntable where you can set the, the music, a whole drawers full of records that you can choose, and just kind of the basic stuff that like a radio setup would come with. Um, but pretty much you go to work every day, or every night, I suppose. Uh, you never really see anybody in town, you never really spend any time in town, but a lot of like weird requests start coming in, and a lot of really strange things start happening around this town, and so I want this kind of uh, this very mysterious urban legendy type of uh, like welcome to Night Vale type of feeling to it. But your only interaction with the world is, you know, putting on music or making news announcements or whatever. But I, I really want it to be like a physical presence in this room. So, you know, you have to open the drawer by dragging it out with your mouse. You have to drag the record that you want to the turntable and put it on and start it playing. And if you want to, you know, based on requests, you can like play the record backwards by dragging it the other way. And, you know, all of this can play into these ghostly, demony type of activities that are happening around this town. So let's, uh, let's see where we can take that. Let's start the clock on that one. What I really like about this is um, as somebody who's a fan of the Alan Wake games, I I always like in these horror noir uh, sort of scenarios that there's always there is always someone on the radio that seems to know just mm. a little bit too much mm, yeah, about yeah. what's going on. <laughs> so the idea of playing that character and how they get their information versus um, what they choose to say is is compelling to me. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting inversion because as you say, it's in like games or films or whatever, or even real life. If you're staying up till two in the morning for whatever reason, you can feel quite lonely. And yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I yeah. think and I think like yeah, being able to put the radio on like is reassuring for a lot of people. There's a comfort in it because it means there is definitely someone else there and you're hearing them in real time. But putting you like putting the player in the seat of the person who's who is like you know 
so you are just sat in a booth on your own playing records and and stuff like that's sort of you being the one who provides that comfort but while simultaneously probably feeling quite lonely and isolated yourself yeah, is yeah. really interesting so i can see situations where you have to make choices based on the requests that you get in you know you could have somebody say like you know put on this record at this time of the night mm-hmm. and you know somebody else could warn you against that very thing and say you know this could, you don't want to open this door you know and <laughs> yeah. all of these things are very mysterious you have to kind of make up your own mind uh, you can uh, you can get calls from uh, kind of like an Arkham City where you get calls from this mm-hmm. like serial killer type of guy and you have to without making it obvious find ways to like send messages to the police based on like what types of songs you put on you know you can put on a song called like fifth yes. street blues to indicate you know the information that you received from this call or just like i want all these kind of competing storylines that you can choose to explore or you can choose to ignore and it would have just different effects on the city like there's a certain record that if you play it backwards, it, it dispels all of the ghosts from town. And <laughs> as soon as you start playing it, like the lights in your studio start flickering and something <laughs> changes. And, and then that would change wow. storylines down the road. And yeah. so, yeah, just this idea that experimenting with, uh, with these different combination of records would trigger unpredictable results. I was going to, you, you already touched upon it, but I was going to go straight to, I love the call-in mechanic and the idea mm. that maybe even there's a call that starts private that you, you know, decide midway through to start broadcasting and like yeah, hit a switch yeah. so that it's on the air to warn the police of it or whatever, or mm. um, even doing, you know, dialogue tree, like interviews with people to try and suss out information for them or expose them mm-hmm. in some way. Um, I kind of see the really call-ins cool. as being um, messages on your telephone because, again, like to reinforce this idea of loneliness, I wanted to make sure that you aren't actually ever interacting with anyone. Okay. Uh, to think that, like, mm. if these are all recordings, then, like, theoretically, they could have been, you know, decades ago. You don't know if there's actually anybody in this town. Oh, interesting. Um, and so you have the opportunity to listen to the message beforehand and screen it and see what it has to say. You can choose to, you know, just play whatever they want played, or you can choose to broadcast that message, that listener message on the air. Um, And you can get weird things like those Russian number stations and whatever. (laughs) This has happened with some of your other pitches before, but I almost feel like there's another shoe to drop at the end of this game. Mm. Like something larger and more nefarious is going on in terms of, I feel like I'm going to end my broadcast walk out and someone's going to be like, that was all a test or something. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, that somebody was watching you the whole time. Like surely the, yeah, like the big twist has to be like some, you know, after you've been sat in this booth for like every night for, you know, two hours a night or whatever, and eventually something like invades the the sanctity of the booth, right? Like someone breaks mm. in or something and suddenly yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you know, the outside world, all this stuff's going on, but you at least always just have like your desk and all your gear and stuff. And then at some point that gets disrupted. That would be, that would be cool, I think. Yeah, especially if you're following down the path of trying to slowly educate the proper authorities on yeah. the whereabouts of <laughs> yeah. a person. And then eventually that person has decided mm. to just, you know, come and do something about you, the real yeah. problem. 
you know? And any number of scenarios, kind of like um, the Stanley parable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, based on where you take that story, it has any number of endings. Mm. And so, you know, one ending could unleash some kind of like Cthulhu type scale event. Mm. One could just kind of like <laughs> be a good ending and fizzle out and you lose your job and you drive off and you end up looking back and the town was never there to begin with or you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> as long as you get that nice scene where you always have, for some reason, when people get fired in fiction, they always have a cardboard box full of their stuff <laughs> they have to take with them. So that's important in that scene. <laughs> so I want to balance also the need to spend money at the end of the day, you know, kind of like in Papers, mm-hmm. Please, how the more money you make, it actually does impact your livelihood when you get home. And so that incentivizes you to do a good job and to play the records and to make your choices instead of just sitting back and letting nothing happen. And so you you would have to pay for your rent and for your food. And I was also kind of toying with the idea of having to pay for like psychiatric medications. They never really like you don't know what they do, but maybe if you don't take them, then things can start happening and like adding to that sense of of paranoia and of uh, kind of an unsettling, like things aren't right here. Sure. You're hearing the music out of tune and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, so would that be sort of suggesting that like any sort of paranormal stuff would be sort of hallucinatory? Yeah, maybe. Or, yeah. yeah. Kind of what I had in my mind at the beginning was that you have a roommate in your apartment, mm-hmm. uh, the only other person that you're able to talk to, and uh, but he's just mostly just silent and just doesn't really say anything at the end of the day. Mm. But if you start skipping your psychiatric medication, then he becomes more verbal and he talks to you and you have conversations. And so kind of implying that this person isn't real, that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you try to take your medication so that you stop seeing and hearing this person who lives in your safe space. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll love paper, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Papers, please. There's something else happening here, right? Which I do mm. the, even the mechanic of you're making money by working and that money is also invisibly disappearing because rent, you know, is <laughs> is this weird uh, parody of reality, right? Yeah, yeah. You can have your your drive to work every evening as kind of the only glimpse of the outside world that you have. And so mm. you can change little things in the aesthetics. You can change the color of the sky and stuff like that to kind of reflect how things are going. And uh, you know, but never giving too much feedback, um, mostly letting the player infer how things are changing based on the types of calls that are being received. Yeah, stuff like that. But I, I do love in Welcome to Night Vale, those very mysterious it's like information that would mean something to somebody who lives there but just seems really weird and out of context to us you know like don't go to the park this evening because obviously it's not going to be in the same location it was last night and that that kind of thing (laughs) or events that happen every year or whatever and you can choose to either uh, broadcast that or to keep it quiet Mm. Right, right, right. So the uh, actual gameplay of dragging records out and and sorting through them, do you think that would kind of remain fresh throughout? There's not, I I guess the same questions were probably being asked in the development of Papers, Please. Is that going to get immediately boring or is the uh, search for story going to be enough to drive players forward? Well, you can't do anything in her story other than search. That's true, yeah. (laughs) Um, And that ends up being very compelling. I think it's, yeah, it's all about that feedback. Um, And if this was going to be, because I think that this is, in a way, 
crying out to be virtual reality as well. <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah. <laughs> um, hmm. But to make it not feel like a job simulator, which goes, you know, it's so hard to put a record on or something that it's comical. Um, making that feel good would be really difficult. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. and the thing with Papers, Please is that like that sort of works because you start the game and you're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. This is just like simple drudgery. You know, like it's fine. And then you realize right. that, you know, you're actually doing sort of potentially really horrible things, even though you're just stamping forms and checking things yeah, against yeah. lists and um, just, just following the rules, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's about the sort of, you know, banality of that. Whereas this, I feel like, I think it would be more interesting inherently, like, you know, like say putting records on and stuff. Like, I think there's there's a potential for that to be sort of quite tactile and cool. Mm. Like, I assume you, you mentioned records, you mean literally like vinyl, right? Like, yeah, rather yeah. than, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like physical about those, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's like in the horror movies, like reading Latin from an old book, like there's something that is tangible <laughs> about, yeah. about that that almost kind of transcends the language. Yeah, and that, and you know, and like giving the player the ability to like you know play records at the wrong speed or drop the needle yeah. by accident or whatever. That'd be, <laughs> yeah, maybe that stuff would really help. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if there's also those moments of you're able to put on a song or put on like the you know sponsored commercial or whatever, or mm -hmm. get better sponsors to help you make more money, mm. where you're having some like is the whole thing in the DJ booth or is there like you go to the bathroom. Every once in a while, or you take out the trash that is like both mundane, but also glimpses into how uncomfortable or nerve wracking it can be to leave the comfort of that room. You could add to that by like, you know, basically you put a record on and then that's your time limit. Like you've only got three yeah. minutes before you have to be back at your desk. Like <laughs> it would make it more interactive than just sitting there and waiting for the song to finish. I mean, you could always yeah, like yeah. listen through your phone messages and plan things out, but mm, you yeah. don't want a lot of downtime necessarily. We've come across our, our time limit here, and so we're going to have to hit the stop button on that. Uh, I, I'm not hugely in love with this title, but uh, for now it'll do. I just have a kind of KRDO FM, uh, just radio station tag whatever <laughs> <laughs> i think that'd be cool i mean there's something <laughs> being british right i'm always fascinated mm. by like american radio station names <laughs> mm. you know, they're always acronyms <laughs> and they always seem to have like a z in them somewhere and i don't really understand why <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like to me that's quite a sort of an, an exotic and evocative oh. thing but maybe to you guys maybe not I don't <laughs> that's funny yeah well let's uh, let's stick with that then <laughs> cool we have one more submission and this is coming from the community this comes from nicholas cook who says hey hq Headquarters, get it? <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while. It's probably extremely overambitious, which is fine. That's what we do here on the show. Mm, absolutely. But I'm curious to see what you might make of it. I imagine a game with three layers. For argument's sake, let's say it takes place in a classic medieval fantasy setting. That's not okay. really important, though. The ground layer is a For Honor-style third-person action fighting game. You take part in giant battles, and as a mighty warrior, try to turn the tides in favor of your side faction. The in-between layer is an Age of Empires-style real-time strategy game, in which you develop and manage the fortunes of a certain part of the Empire. Your decisions and strategic thinking influence the resources you're able to work with at the specific place. How good is your infrastructure going to be? How efficiently can you employ troops to the battlefield to make sure the ground level does have a chance to win the battle at hand? 
On top of that, you have a Europa Universalis style kingdom management sim. How do you position your entire nation? How do you influence which battles have to be fought and what basic starting resources your individual cities can draw from? The single player experience could have you seamlessly switch back and forth or up and down between the different layers, giving you the opportunity to act on the most important level at any given moment, according to your personal judgment. There's also the possibility of a multiplayer mode in which three players have to communicate and steer their collaborating efforts to overcome their teams. Of course, no layer could be as intricate as a whole game trying to achieve only one of those three things, and it would be a challenge to balance all the layers in a way that makes all of them fun to play and comparatively important to succeed. In absolute equilibrium, however, is nothing to strive for in my opinion. Obviously, a single soldier wouldn't have the impact of a whole kingdom's leader, but she or he should still be able to turn the tide occasionally. That's my more or less basic premise. What do you think? And let's start the clock. Uh, very cool idea. Uh, the, yeah. the first thing that comes to mind is a uh, spore and mm -hmm. how that one would kind ah. of transition between different gameplay styles at different layers. And eventually, you know, you were uh, evolving your basic species biology, and then you would move into creating societies and doing more of an RTS type game. And then you would move into space exploration, kind of no man's sky style. Um, of, of course those, that game wasn't entirely successful at every one of those layers, but <laughs> they each provided an interesting enough gameplay experience to where, you know, it was, um, it, it did mix things up, but it felt you know, more or less organic moving on to those different steps. I love the ambition of the scale of this thing it's kind of civilization at the highest level and then age of empires mm -hmm. in between and then for honor right on the the <laughs> basic 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 level and i i do like the idea of different people controlling those type of things because we see even in reality that there's what the captains on the ground need, like what the generals think should happen and what the like king uh, or mm. the person running the entire civilization is doing. So you almost have, you know, the king is, you know, trying to manage it all and make sure that you're into the right territories and getting the right allies and diplomatic agreements. The, general is making sure the supplies and on the grounds strategy is sound and then i mean there are just the gamers that are great at combat and you want them to be your on the boots on the ground right managing the team and actually winning those battles for you but the fact that each of them is kind of powerless or it or needs the other Right. Yeah. Like the general strategy isn't going to pan out if the captains don't win and the king mm, is not yeah. going to have any influence if the empire isn't you know, growing or successful. It's interesting because the decisions that the higher levels make might you know, lead to the deaths of characters that you have played as that you've come to really value that you've invested a lot in kind of like yeah. XCOM mm. style. And, um, you know, I like having the control over stuff at the real granular level that if there was a soldier who was just, you know, uh, controlled by an excellent player who really did have that, like that skill, then theoretically, like he could overcome odds that were stacked very high against him. Do you think it's interesting to be able to, you through enough achievement, move through these ranks? Like uh, a, so I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. like you can uh -huh. start as a foot soldier and end up, I mean, you wouldn't end up being king, I suppose, but like, yeah, to sort of, 
you know, be a foot soldier, but then start developing political motivations and <laughs> like you're working your way <laughs> yeah. up. That would be really interesting. Yeah, and then you would, uh, when you go down to that that level of being a foot soldier again, you just have a new character mm. uh, with new stats. The the stats that you would pick up as a soldier, you'd have to find some way to kind of like codify to be meaningful on those higher levels as well. Um, whether it's like respect from your countrymen, you know, because of the great war stories that you've you've had if you're a hero or whether, you know, something like like sword readiness would uh, on the ground would allow you to better command sword units on yeah. uh, on the higher levels. Also, if the king is setting up, you know, new locations or the general rather is setting up new locations in hostile territory, it's really putting these soldiers at a disadvantage. Right. Mm. Yeah. So like what the battlefield looks like or what your chances of success look like. Um, it's almost like asking another player or your, or yourself to manage the difficulty level um, by choosing how and where to strike um, and seeing if you can survive it. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how thin you decide to spread your forces. And I like that, you know, in these types of like age of empires or civilization type games if you send fewer forces into a battle then that's it you're just going to be less equipped and whenever it rolls the dice then you have a stronger chance of losing that dice roll whereas in here like you're really kind of it's an adjustable difficulty level for the action combat um, with permanent consequences and the truth is what I, this is a sounds like a great game for control freaks like me because I've always <laughs> played, you know, City Skylines or SimCity with the want to be able to zoom in and like, okay, well, I really need to z- design this house in this mm, neighborhood yeah. or the governor's mansion in particular. So, <laughs> um, you know, being able to zoom in and say, okay, I'm going to make this incredibly difficult to myself, but it's not going to be a dice roll that determines mm. success. It's going to be my ability to get in there and have great combat and defeat enough um, to actually win. That is really interesting. Now, uh, Sean, I know that you have a lot of experience with the uh, Dynasty Warrior series yeah. and that uh, it plays a little similarly on, on multiple levels. Like it is a, a character action game, but you're also having to manage an army at you know any given point in time and make sure that the general flow of the battle is going in your direction. Yeah, like you, I mean, the way that's sort of handled in Dynasty Warriors is that you just, it's all about where you put yourself. So, like, um, so rather, you're, like, you're never really giving orders or anything, but it's like you, so just looking for where mm-hmm. people are struggling and always kind of, you know, darting around the map trying to figure out, um, you know, and then it's like, and then, but you do sort of, I suppose, you, in terms of like picking like which strongholds to take in which order, and then that sort of giving you a, a decent flow of troops coming through and stuff. But yeah, it, it's, pretty simple i was just thinking I, I like the idea of you know we talked about like rising through the ranks and stuff yeah so like say you know say you're a foot soldier and you became a, a general or a you know and like say you know ended up being a political figure or something and like what if another character sort of came to assassinate you so you mm. might have played it as an action <laughs> played it as an action game for like 10 hours and then kind of moved on from that and you should have been playing it as a strategy game for another 10 hours. And then suddenly someone comes to you and you've got to remember how to fight again. And you've got... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. And then those skills that you learned as a soldier could come in handy again. Right, because yeah. you really, I mean, this is a thing that would happen in real life, right? You get rusty. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then like other players sort of might, if they're kind, they might sort of help you out because they're like, look, we don't want, we don't want the, to embarrass the general and let everyone realize he's <laughs> forgotten how to swing a sword. Like, you know. 
There should, yeah, I agree. There should be some advantage to being the boss in that scenario, right? Like yeah. you have some access to something or some weapon or some ability that, uh, like a yeah, foot you just got coming to get you. Have. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned other players. Uh, this is something I've been kind of thinking about back and forth during this conversation. Is that I think this uh, kind of zooming between levels would be most satisfying on a like a single player basis because then you really mm. have full control over the story of every you know level of this war but yeah. at the same time like this type of asynchronous uh gameplay does tend to present interesting opportunities in multiplayer settings and so if like every soldier out on the field or at least you know maybe like titanfall style like it could populate with a bunch of of no face soldiers and then have you know yeah. other player characters on the field as well like that could be interesting as well i also in terms of if you zoom out to the sort of civilization aspect of it having just the ability to negotiate or cut deals with other players to bolster your forces and having that what make what feels like a tangible difference rather than just being like you're sending me you know three units of coffee every mm. turn or whatever <laughs> would be so much more satisfying um, than what you typically get with the sort of large scale strategy games. It's just so right. To, like as, uh, as the listener uh, said, so ambitious to pull off. Yeah. You know, what would be interesting that I just thought of is what if this takes place in like a, like the cusp of the pre-industrial era. And if you choose to, you know, maybe not invest in manpower early on in the game, then you can really pour money into the research tree and end up developing firearms. And then your your ground level soldiers, it could kind of become like an like a rough third person shooter type of thing yeah. as well. Mm. Like literally <laughs> changing the gameplay style of these uh, other layers. Yeah, or you could invent ships, which would allow that second layer to have some different mobility options and uh, just anything that can be moved back and forth, I think, would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I also definitely. like the idea of where the kingdom expands to. It just opens up the the possibility for so many lush and diverse battlefields of like mountainous zones and the you know the tactics required to be successful there versus you know the cold or um you know the heat of a desert like this big flat battlefield right where it's just hmm. look out because you know <laughs> the archers don't have an advantage here or whatever well that is the 10 minutes on that game i, I like that idea a lot thank you uh, nicholas for sending that to us uh, we're going to have to come up with a name for that. Let's see. Okay, my first suggestion is from captains to kings. <laughs> that's that's good actually. That's good. I like. It. I was thinking like, you know, the I was thinking of like the multi-tiered gameplay, and mm. uh, like tier could be used as like a like a pun almost because you have the the separate tiers and also war is a sad thing, but. I don't know. They don't typically talk about crying in the titles of these Call of Duty type <laughs> games anyway. So War, War of Tears might be kind of interesting. War of Tears. That's that's actually really clever. <laughs> I mean, if you called it Tears of War, you'd probably get sued. So it'd have to be. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Thank you, Nicholas, for that one. We appreciate hearing in from our listeners. And if you have anything to submit to the show, then you can uh, get in touch with us. You can send us an email 
playwrightcast at gmail.com. You can post it on our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or you can ping us on Twitter at playwrightcast. That is P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E. And special thank you to Proto Dome for his song Hello World off the album Blue Noise. It is our theme song and it's a very good album. Go check that out on Bandcamp. Yes, and of course, a big thank you to Sean Bell for coming on the show. It's a, a pleasure as always <laughs> to podcast with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's it's good. What what you know? What little influence I have left uh, it still gets me on guest slots occasionally. So it's good. <laughs> Sean, I am throwing my money at the screen for Max Throttle. It's all I need in my life right now. Cool. So yes, do check out the uh, computer game show that is every Wednesday over at spong.com. And uh, also the archives, probably, of uh, of Midnight Resistance will remain, I'd imagine. Yeah, for, I think at least a year or, or so, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Your final idea for the day is an open world RPG that takes place entirely on a Silicon Valley tech campus. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.